This is the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Hockey is more than a game. It's a lifestyle. It's you, the diehard supportive fans, your favorite players who are on the team you cheer for and the organization who supports them. The companies that make your gear, bags, and beer league sweaters, the hockey moms and hockey dads, and everything else that makes this House of Hockey your home. Come on in. I'm Breezy. And I'm Ray Ray. And And this this is is our our house. house. Welcome to the House of Hockey podcast. This is episode 111. I'm one of your hosts, Ray Ray. And I'm your other host, Breezy. (laughs) And this is one of the other super exciting guests we have been teasing that we had coming up for you all. Uh, we talked to Catherine Dobbs. She is the senior vice president, chief marketing, marketing officer for the Columbus Blue Jackets. She's also a Blue Jackets fan, started out as a fan, um, before she even got into her current job. She shares that whole story. Uh, we talk about it all all the things that are important to us fans, whether you're, whether or not you're a Blue Jackets fan, you're going to love this interview because we talk about so many of the important aspects that us as fans care about. And to hear it from somebody in the chief marketing officer position of an NHL team is super reassuring. Um, But you're also going to learn about the Blue Jackets and the fifth line and the pride that Catherine has and the pride that the fans and the team have in in that market so uh and some funny stories with players yes (laughs) definitely funny stories of players for sure so wait for that that'll be coming up shortly Mm -hmm. and before we get started this is a no cry zone today (laughs) please I can't I can't no cry zone today I can't for both of us, you for Mr. Ben, me for the good old Dustin Brown, and and for um, Tom, the e bug, the e bug, Tom Hodges. Oh my God, I had to I had to turn off the Ben Stelter content because I was just like, no, I'm not I'm not going down this hole. I'm not going to start totally bawling my eyes out all day and being sad and depressed. Even though it's not depressing, it's it's super incredible and uplifting, but like it's also sad. So let's fill everybody in on this sad thing. But we're not gonna cry. <laughs> okay, well let's go with Ben Stelter. So he is the young boy who uh is an Edmonton Oilers fan, and a couple weeks ago the team had him, you know, as like their guest of honor and you know had him at the game they took him into the locker room he's become bffs with connor mcdavid um and they even had him come out to most recently a morning skate uh with the boys and that had me sobbing and then he was presented a um upper deck baseball card not baseball card I, i call them baseball cards trading cards um with his picture and connor's picture on it uh, it just warms the heart and, and he's become their kind of good luck charm. So yeah. that's exciting to see. Um, that kid just, ugh, just gives me all, makes me want to keep crying. Um, the 
Ebug story, which is the best story I think of the week. Um, you probably disagree, but um, the Anaheim Ducks were in Dallas for the last game of the season for the Stars. And as you know, or if you don't know, there's an emergency backup goalie always on staff in each city. So it's a Dallas based guy. He can, he's prepared to either play for Dallas or the visiting team. It doesn't matter. That's like this, that's the whole point of this emergency backup goalie situation. So he got the call, I think in the third period, he had to go dress for Anaheim. His name is Tom Hodges. He had to run out to his car. like literally run out to his car. His whole five minute post-game interview is incredible. He ran out to his car, which he said helped him warm up to get into the game, to go get his gear. He ran into the locker room, went on the ice for Anaheim for the third period. Um, Only let one goal in, but stopped two shots. But the big story here is not that just an e-bug got to play in a professional hockey game. It's that Tom became blind in his left eye he's a blind partially blind goalie um he had it's not funny he had uh he had an injury from a puck to the head he said at like 12 which caused him to lose sight in his left eye so he could never play you know professionally in the nhl but to that day he got to make his nhl dreams come true He's British too. He's from the UK. So shout out to our UK family uh, who listens to the pod. A Brit in Dallas playing for the Ducks who's blind in one eye. What? This league is the best. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. This league is the best. Are you it kidding? Is, it really is. <laughs> so Did cool. you, what's your opinion on that? I think it's cool. I mean, I think anytime you see a, an e-bug dress up and, and get put on the ice, it's uh, it's a moment for not only them, but everybody, right? And I think everyone kind of starts rooting for them and you want them to do well. Um, I don't know. I think it's cool. I think it's awesome. I mean, the best part was his pads are stars pads because yeah. like, he practices with the team, right? Yeah, so he green. had like got green and white pads, but then like an away white Anaheim Ducks jersey. It's just like the perfect picture. Um, So awesome. So awesome. I love this. I love this story. I love this league. He's a, oh, he sells life insurance. That's his day job. They were like, what's your day job? He's like, I sell life insurance if anybody needs it. So funny. And speaking of this league just being awesome and sticking to day jobs and whatnot or not sticking to day jobs. Uh, Malcolm Subban sings the national anthem for the Buffalo Sabres. He did the Hawks, which he he played with the Hawks. Yeah, he did great. (laughs) He did phenomenal. Apparently that was his first time ever singing like live in front of a crowd of people um and the boys like you see all the boys like smiling and chuckling a little bit like when he hit those really great notes um because I'm sure they probably heard him sing a bunch in the locker room and all the boys gave mad stick taps after afterwards and like how random that that happens like what's all of a sudden these like incredible stories coming out of the league at like at the end of the, at the end of the regular season. Yeah. It's so funny. I mean, I hope we see more players sing the national anthem. Uh, like has Duchesne <laughs> ever done it? No. Duchenne? Does he go by Duchesne no. or Duchesne? 
Duchesne, he has not done it. He would probably do pretty well, I would assume, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That'd be cool. That would be really cool if he could do that. He'd have to do it with the guitar, like acoustic style, I want from him. I'll have my people get in touch with his people to make sure that happens just for you. Great, great. (laughs) Uh, That happened. And then also, here's why Breezy was crying this week. Dustin Brown announced he will be retiring at the end of the season. He's the uh, place for the LA Kings. He was the captain, uh, first captain to raise the cup uh, ever. First ever cup raised for the Kings, he was the captain. Uh, Kopi is currently the captain and lent him the C for the last oh. game of the regular season? Or was it just the day that he announced his retirement? Uh, it was for that last game. Kopi wanted uh, Brownie to be captain for one last game. And it was mm-hmm. against the Vancouver Canucks, which um, Brownie and the, the Canucks have quite the, uh, the history together. And the Canucks did something, you know, that he didn't expect. And he kind of goes over that in his press conference. I sent you the press conference. I watched it. Uh, I watched the whole thing. I was like super, I was like kind of choked up. Um, Cause he's choked up. And whenever you see a hockey player that kind of gets like that, like it kind of hits you. And he had this really cool, um, was it an analogy or just like a comment, whatever he had said about being a ball of energy and I don't know if that's just something I personally needed to hear that day, mm. but it really resonated with me. And like, I was like, I got to send this to Ray, but I know she probably doesn't want to watch this conference because obviously <laughs> she um, is not a Kings fan, not a Kings fan. So I like time stamped it for her. And I was you like, did. at 39, 40 or whatever it is, please just watch this clip. It's like a 40 second clip. Um, that was just like something that I don't know. I, I've, keep thinking about it so I, I and Catherine does uh, mention something about being a ball of energy later yeah. in this episode so now I'm just like sitting here like oh my god my life is revolving around this ball of energy that Dustin Brown just like made visible for myself but so um, the analogy was like the the team has is an energy and are you adding energy to the team or are you taking energy from the team that ball of energy and he's like you know, I just try to encourage everybody to be adding and, and that's what makes a team great and gives us that chemistry and that ability to play well. And he's like, I've definitely had days where I took energy away and I had to learn those hard lessons. So that's that short yeah. analogy. Yeah. And so I think that, I mean, this whole situation with Brownie kind of mm-hmm. pumped me up, like lit a fire under me. And I was like, oh my God, the King's are in the playoffs like they could do something crazy because they Mm -hmm. were I mean think back in the 2020 12 20 why did I say that's so weird 2020 12 2020 12 we're not that many years oh we're not Uh, (laughs) we're not why did I say it like that please don't 2012 2012 um underdogs right like no one expected it and then they came out and did it like could it and we talked about this uh a few weeks ago could there's a lot of similarities could the kings potentially can do it again um and maybe that's just me being all hypey and wanting brownie to to do it again but um i'm excited i feel like yeah. it's sad to see brown go much like guess off um yeah. super emotional but you got to be proud of them and you got to be excited for the future so um that got me this week yeah <laughs> 
I did. I ended up watching the whole thing. Um, I had time yesterday and it was, it was really well done. I mean, his son, one of his sons had a whole prepared speech about how happy he was that his dad's going to be home with him and uh, not going to miss games and birthdays and things like that. And that they're going to be fighting over, you know, like Xbox together or something to that degree. And um, that was sweet. And then uh, his wife is incredible. We need to get her on the podcast. She's a, was a professional hockey player. Um, And there was like this whole thing about her joke, the running joke in their household being that she had more championships than Dustin did until he won uh, the Stanley cup twice. But um, that was incredible to see our girl, Carlin asked an incredible question. Carlin Faith, I could hear her voice in the, in the audience, in the presser. And um, she actually got a really great reaction out of Dustin for it, but uh, just an incredible incredible uh ceremony you could just see the emotions and how you know hard it is to announce this before it's happened which is what he had kind of said and i'm paraphrasing that like he's announcing this but the season technically isn't over for them because they're in the playoffs um but he felt it was the right time and and thing to do and god is that guy a team player yeah. mentality you can see why he was captain for the mm-hmm. years that he was and just the way he talks about the game and his play and the team and you know you, you can just see he's he's one of the good ones yeah and his I mean just the way he reacted with his family too I mean you can tell how much um his wife Nicole means to him and I think just watching again personality just watching them mm-hmm you know, kind of, he kept looking over at her to like, for her support and she was doing the same thing for him. So uh, I think all of it just kind of, it was really well done. If you're not a Kings fan, I do recommend watching it. I just think that it overall was just uh, really well done. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think, I don't know, I don't know what else to say about it. I I think it's, uh, it's something everyone should watch because I don't remember seeing a press conference uh, no. quite similar to to what what they had done. Uh, and just this whole Kopi giving the C for that one last run. Oh my God, that is just, I need that like picture just like framed on my wall. That's just so cool. So a hundred percent. You I gotta, to see it. I gotta stop. <laughs> Breezy's gonna start crying now for once. It's not Ray. I think uh, it's these things that we love so much about this sport right like we see these gestures that mean so much to players and or fans in whatever story you want to pick from this week of just the appreciation and genuine joy and giving nature that these guys have you know Kobe didn't have to do that like you know he didn't have to do any of that you know and and you don't, the players don't have to spend time with, you know, Ben Stelter, the the kid in Edmonton, you know, they don't have to do any of that. They can do the one thing and be done, but they just find these, they have these genuine connections because they're really genuine guys and, and um, want to give and give back. And I, I think that speaks to everything we talk about with Catherine coming up in the interview of, and what we talk about here all the time on this podcast is that team first mentality and working together and it really being a community 
and it's something you'll love to see. And these are the moments you get to see it and makes me love this sport that much deeper, you know? Amen to that. Speaking of more reasons for you to be excited though, you have all three, all three of your teams are in the fucking playoffs, Breezy. Yeah, they are. And all of Rachel's one team is not anywhere near the playoffs this year. It's not. It's not. So who are you going to go for? Probably none of my teams. So that's okay. None of your teams. How could I ever possibly do that? I could not cheer for any of your teams. I'm sorry, but I don't think any three of your teams is going to make it to the Stanley Cup final. That is okay. And I'm I'm not saying that to be spiteful because I'm bitter. So everybody get that out of your head. No. It's just like my and genuine not, thought. And I'm not taking it that way. I'm taking okay, that because good. we do have a rivalry. And it's very, it, it comes down to the point. I have, so I have the bracket. I told you to pull up a bracket. Yeah, I'll pull it. When I kind of have the bracket sort of. It's Go fine. You I'll pull it up. But when you are doing a bracket, it's so hard to, to choose something over your feelings and emotions or like a logical thing because playoff hockey is so crazy it's so different right Mm -hmm. and sometimes you just things surprise you and so we're gonna make our round one predictions right we're gonna do round one predictions I'm gonna go off of what my heart is telling me I'm going off of my instincts okay and what I read before we started, I read a whole preview, uh, a whole article of like pros and cons for all the players. So I'm not, I don't, do, don't want to waste a bunch of time going into why we think it. Do we care? No. Do people care why we think it? No, I don't think so. Let, let's I just... don't think they care about our opinions anyway. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> let's start on the left, which is the West. Yeah. Okay. The West, which is weird. It should be the other way around. Who made this graphic? um the east west like you read right whatever calgary dallas i'm picking calgary i got calgary king's oilers this one's tough this one's real tough i feel like they both have so much support and good luck charms at this point but i gotta go with the kings i'm picking the oilers if you can even believe it i can't but i don't think the oilers will go past the first round Okay. Preds, Avs. Preds. I got that. Unfortunately, as much as I have disdain for them, I do think they are going to, you know what, actually my heart hopes this is the one time I'm cheering for the Preds right here, that they beat the Avs. They sweep these buffoons in the first round and send all of those critics packing because I just can't take it anymore about the Avs. Oh, no, I think it's going to go full game seven. Preds will sneak in. Go Preds. Go Preds. Go Preds. Can you say that one more time for me? Nope, that's all you get. What's the, like, teeth thing you guys do? I do the, the, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) I'm like this. (laughs) Upside down rock and roll symbol. You look like Spider-Man trying to figure out his, like, whatever. (laughs) Not, hashtag not a Preds fan. Wild Blues. This series, I am so flipping excited to watch. It's going to be one of the most exciting series to watch, I think, in the first round. Yeah. I'm going wild. I'm going wild. I don't know that the Wild have it to go all the way. 
Um, the blues in the wild are so well matched that this is going to be a fun series. Let's head over to the East. Washington Capitals will be facing the Florida Panthers. I have, I'm taking the Florida Panthers. Ovi is TBD on injury, being able to play. Uh, yeah, I think Florida is going to make it out of the first round. Yeah, I got Florida. Lightning versus the Leafs. Oh yeah, today, or not today. This is the year. Leafs are moving on, baby. Let's go. <laughs> I can't. I cannot. I got I'm going with the. I'm going with, It's it's happening this year. I'm going with the lightning. I mean, Keep I would going. love an upset. I would love to be proven wrong and for the Leafs to make it to the Stanley Cup final this year, but I just don't have the faith based on years of past. They're moving on. This is the year. Boston Bruins versus the Carolina Hurricanes. I'm going Canes. I'm going Canes as well. Penguins versus the Rangers. This is going to be another interesting series. Yeah. And I don't think it's going to go as easy for either team as one would maybe think. I think they're pretty well matched, but I'm going to go with the Rangers on this one. Oof, this is such a tough choice like i really want the rangers to go far there they've had such an incredible season their goaltending is unbelievable um the depth i don't know i i'm gonna pick i'm gonna pick the rangers pick the rangers there we go crosby's had an incredible one of his best seasons this season um, despite being out for a little bit at the beginning. Uh, I don't know. Uh, funny story for you really quick. And then um, we will toss it over to Catherine. Okay. There's a lot to talk about you guys. I, um, full disclosure, I broke my hand on Friday. I don't know the extent of my injuries yet. I am on the IR for the, for the playoffs right now. Um, I will be going to a doctor this week. Um, but I had to take the dogs to the dog park and there was a guy who came in who kind of looked like Brian Dumoulin uh -huh. and he had, I thought he had a penguin's hat on. Oh no. And I'm so used to now meeting the Dumoulins around my neighborhood here where I live that I just like so badly wanted it to be Brian Dumoulin with a dog at the dog park. Right. Like, uh -huh they're like maybe he's here for the weekend because playoffs haven't started and like that's totally feasible that he could be here um yeah. so I was like is your name Brian and he's like no it, close it's Brendan I'm like are you a Dumoulin and he's like no <laughs> I'm like oh but your hat and then I realized it wasn't a penguin it was a B for the Bruins. Like, I clearly know the difference, you guys. Like, I know the difference, but I had just so badly wanted it to be Brian Dumoulin in the dog park. And it really, really wasn't. Like, it couldn't have been, like, not Brian Dumoulin at the dog park. Oh, my God. That is so, so funny. So, um, put, I put my foot in my mouth. Like, I have no problem going up to people and being like, are you Brian Dumoulin? But I always end up putting my foot in my mouth in some 
some shape or form, but anyway, oh, that oh. happened. Did it was not. No. Let's no. Just ask for his number at that point. Well, I mean, I was just really hoping it was Brian Dumoulin and like oh. I could share this incredible story of like running into him at the dog park. And that oh, was not, the, that was not the case. Um, and then he had said like, well, we babysat a dog. So I think he had a girlfriend or boyfriend who knows, but like, yeah, it, it was, then it was just awkward. And I was like, okay, kids, it's time to go. <laughs> Bye. Oh gosh. Pretend, pretend like I never talked to you, sir. Next time I see you at the dog park, I'm uh, just gonna leave that alone. <laughs> oh my god, that's funny. Let me let me take my broken hands and get the hell out of here with <laughs> one handed trying to wrangle three dogs with very like who are not very well behaved. That was fun, but everything on that front was fine. Just embarrassed myself. What else is new? Let's send it over to Catherine. Enjoy um, everybody. This week's episode of the House of Hockey podcast is brought to you by Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. Oh, yeah. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. That's THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Welcome to the House of Hockey podcast, Catherine. Thank you. I'm very excited. We finally get to do this. <laughs> yes. Uh, Catherine and I had a had some time to chat beforehand to just sort of get to know each other and to better understand um, some questions to ask and what not to overkill like <laughs> fun dip and, you know, some other things like that. So <laughs> um to start, we always like to ask you to tell everybody who you are, um, you know, the short 60 second story of who you are in your role with the um, Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, sure thing. Uh, so I am a Northern Ontario girl from a town in the middle of nowhere, a town of 200, who finally made her way to the National Hockey League about seven years ago. Um, I joined the Blue Jackets as the executive director of the foundation and vice president of community development. Uh, was in that role for a few years, helping to connect the community, grow the game, do all kinds of really fun and cool stuff. Um, and then was asked to take on the role of chief marketing officer a little over three years ago. So about three years in this role, very, very different than what I was doing. Um, feels like most of the time I have spent managing through COVID. So now I'm going to find out what it's really like to do this job. <laughs> yes. Well, you're doing an incredible job um, from what I can see through social media, of course, and, and that kind of thing. But 
What I think is really interesting is that you didn't come from the sports world. You sort of came from that nonprofit world and you're also a fan, like you're a fan first. Tell everybody a little bit about your fandom with the Blue Jackets and, you know, how you, that story plays into now your job as chief marketing officer. Yeah. I mean, I'm your very typical, typical Canadian, right? We grow up, we love hockey. Um, You know, my siblings all played. I never had the opportunity. So I spent a lot of time um, in rinks growing up, uh, have a genuine love of junior hockey. The world juniors is absolutely my favorite hockey every year I look forward to. Um, And that was really the focus growing up for me. I I didn't really spend a lot of time um, watching the NHL because I was watching my siblings and spending time in rinks and, so I moved to Ohio the first time in 2000 um, out of college. I moved here and happened to be the inaugural season of the Blue Jackets. And so when I got here, new team, new place, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to get into this and, and give these guys a follow. And right away, uh, fell in love really with the way that this state embraces their sports, um, but also the way that this community embraced um, having an NHL team in a small market and, and seeing that. So coming from where I come from, where it's just, it's just what we have, we have beer and hockey. That's it. Right. Um, it is not, life. Quite same, not quite the same here in, in central Ohio when I arrived. So uh, my brother would come down from Canada. We just, we, we loved everything about it. And so even though I moved away, uh, I moved away in 2007, uh, but took the center ice package with me, followed this team, um, and, and had the opportunity to come back to Columbus eight years ago. And so, uh, I did, I, I came back, um, as a fan, I came back just in time for the first home playoff win against Pittsburgh was in the stands for that had been here for a lot of firsts over the years. And so, um, really just the opportunity to come back to this market It's part of what drew me to this market too. I was coming back here to work for the YMCA and the the people at YUSA in Chicago had called me. I was living in New York, uh, working on YMCA resident camp. And they called me and said that the Columbus Wine is a chief development officer. You're a Blue Jackets fan. I said, I'm a Blue Jackets fan. I'll, I'll <laughs> consider looking at Columbus. And so really it was, it was part of the interest in coming back here. And it happened to be the very first call uh, when I started here as chief development officer. The very first call I made was to the Blue Jackets to walk down the street and say, you need to grow the game. And I think I can help you do it. And that's where my journey started with them shortly thereafter opportunity opened up. And I said, the only thing I would ever leave the YMCA for was um, the community development job at the Columbus Blue Jackets. And 12 years later, made my way back to this community and got got very, very lucky. So I'd say probably the reason um, I could make that transition not coming from sports is just because of the unique qualifications that I did have. Um, So even though I didn't you know, come through sports per se, you know, us Northern Ontario people think we know everything about hockey anyway. So wasn't I born qualified? No, not really. But uh, we come with that spirit. And then I think, you know, what was needed at the time from a nonprofit experience or running the foundation, I just happened to bring a unique uh, set of qualifications that got me in the door um, only to realize I was in fact the only executive without sports experience at that point. So so the journey began and there it goes so how do you go about growing the game in columbus i know you said that you know columbus is uh, in ohio in general is just always rallies around their their sports but how do you what was your approach to to growing the, the game there 
You know, it struck me when I moved here, I'd have conversations with people, especially working with the Y and youth sports and, and have conversations. And I remember having lunch early on at my time here and, um, and the gentleman I was talking to, he goes, you know, I mean, hockey's just, it's not like other sports. You can't just play anywhere. You can't just grab a ball. And I was like, what are you talking about? I mean, I'm pretty sure I play left-handed because that was the only stick available for my siblings <laughs> when you play in the driveway with anything you could find, any ball. And so that really struck me when I got here of interesting that the perception is even there, right? That this sport isn't played anywhere at any time by anyone. And so um, I think, you know, that the opportunity to come in, first of all, I'd come in on the other side to say, I can help you grow stick in hands. Let's get kids, you know. Um, to pick up a hockey stick and have a chance to experience this sport. And that was through partnerships. That's where I started. We started a program for called skills and drills with the Y we replicated it with other partners in the community. And that's one step that whole process for us has evolved so significantly. I mean, they've done an amazing job from day one, investing and in removing barriers in this uh, community to help gain access. But I think we've gotten better and better at it. And now the approach is one of absolutely every way we can um, reach and access and remove uh, barriers to that opportunity. So now it's everything from, you know, we have the learn to play programs, great program through the league, provides equipment, that's great, but ice is a barrier. You know, we need more ice in our community. So how can we build street hockey facilities? but you can't just build them and expect people to come. So you have to provide those skills and drills opportunity, hold the stick, teach them, provide clinics. And we went from, you know, uh, we have a program called get out and learn goal. And we were doing that on ice, right? Just uh, short clinics, just come out, try it for free, see what you think. Now we do that. We will do it all summer long for uh, street hockey uh, programs and opportunities. And so, you know, programs through the schools, we have power play challenge where we're working with kids in the schools, introducing them to our sport, getting them on field trips out to ranks, but all those things happen. And I think the key to progress there becomes understanding the pathway from there. And that's a challenge. I mean, as a parent to go in, I put my daughter through learn to play several years ago. And then, you know, you're like, okay, now what am I supposed to do? And where do I go? And what if my kid likes, they really like playing? I'm not a great skater. Okay. I don't think my daughter is either. So I'm pretty sure she wasn't meant to play on ice either, but we are very mean street hockey, ball hockey people. All right. We're, <laughs> we got time for that in this house. So, you know, what, what's her pathway and what could she do? And so we're spending a lot of time right now trying to figure out how to better communicate, better coordinate, time the programs, start here, try this, go here. Um, it's a big part of what we do. And listen, this is a market that, um, you know, we haven't really experienced uh, winning the way we want to and the way I truly believe we will in this market. But all these things we're doing have to prepare us because when we win and really win and everyone else wants to come in and play this great sport, we better be ready. And we're working hard to do that right now. That's incredible. And I mean, gosh, it, I feel like growing the sport with kids too, it's just, it makes things um, more fun to watch. I mean, that might be something crazy to say. I know we just talked about crazy things, but like, I always just think <laughs> about when you watch kids do something and grow and you see that, like, we've already discussed how hockey makes um, 
it makes better people. I think that's just the better way to do it. So how has been the feedback um, that you've been getting from like parents and whatnot when their kids may not have been interested in hockey prior, but now they are, and there's so many good programs that you've made available for them. I and mean, what's kind of, what's the feedback? Uh, I listen, we celebrate every single one of those stories and every one of those wins, right? Because a lot of times people don't uh, see the opportunity or see themselves until they see someone like, you know, look that look like them and sound like them and their age and all those things. And we know if we're going to be better in this sport and being more diverse and getting more people to come and play the sport that we need to start young. It's just the reality, right? However, And then we focus a lot on that because we know we can grow young hockey fans who are going to come out, grow up, support the team. And that's important. But the other side of that becomes, well, what if, you know, um, at our age, we want to go out and learn the sport. What about that opportunity? And so I think that's another piece as we get better. um, And uh, I talked to a gal recently, an influencer in our market, Jess Brohard. You may follow her on social. She's a big part of the gaming community, but she recently went out and got equipment and she's in the adult learn to play league at our ranks. And I reached out to her and I'm like, that is amazing. How can we follow and talk about doing that? I'm afraid that I'd fall and hurt myself and not recover. (laughs) That's breezy. And I, yes, (laughs) that's why we don't play. Right. But it's funny when you talk to the kids and they'll do a, they'll learn to play program and you know, they'll be like, Oh, this equipment's amazing. You know, you feel invincible. And I'm like, please tell me that's what it feels like as an adult. (laughs) trying it so um but i love this story now to be able to talk to her and we're we're hoping to do a little more to tell her story again so you could see yourself you know what i can go out and i can do this and there is an option for me and an option that you know i might be comfortable with so in every way that we can take any feedback and share it back out uh we're gonna we're gonna shout it from the rooftop because we do believe we have a great sport that is inclusive that builds great character and it's a wonderful, wonderful community. Now, how does all of that, like the community aspect and, and reaching out to the kids and the adults who are the fans and maybe might not even be fans of the team or hockey in general, if you're just introducing the game to them, but how do you take that and all that you've got going there and translate that into marketing an NHL team? in your market? Like, what does that add to what you do in your day-to-day job? Well, I think it's one way you consume, right? Our product is by the participation, but I think it becomes one piece of the pie of all the ways that you're trying to reach out, engage, um, and grow someone from a casual fan to being a more committed fan. So, you know, if I look at from my seat and my responsibilities, that's a really important um, strategy and opportunity, but it's only one. Um, if you look at things like even gaming, look at the opportunity. I mean, it's amazing to me if you think about and, and what was a non-traditional way to consume the sport, but people that are playing who, I mean, they can name more information and statistics than the rest of us just because of the way that they've consumed the, the sport. Um, and then if you look at it and say, you know what, it's really, it's entertainment. We are in the entertainment business. And so what does that look like? And we know from research and things that we do, the importance of escaping 
your day to day and the opportunity to spend time with family, with friends, with your girlfriends, whatever. And so there's that piece. So all of these things in our world kind of add up to say, okay, here's, here's each of the piece. And at the end of the day, our guiding light for what we do is strengthen the brand, broaden the base everything we're doing. And if we're, if we're doing something and it, it doesn't do one of those two things, we probably ought to have a conversation. Um, and so really it's a constant holistic view from the seat of the way that people are engaging and consuming the product. Let's talk about um, your superstitions and rituals for game day and all of that fun stuff. What goes into it? Yeah, well, so for me, that's a very, that's a personal and a professional conversation. Again, I, I come as a fan first, but then I also come from a family where we believe and are very committed to our pregame rituals. Um, oh, and we are family. too. Both okay, good. Breezy and we've had to work yeah. through some of her jinxness that she believed she had. So it's, oh, it's very real. We're on the it's same page. It's a lot of responsibility. It right? is. It <laughs> is. It is. It's a lot of responsibility. Um, and for years, you know, as a family, I, I think, and, and just a sports fan, I've always enjoyed those things and always, I mean, listen, the Tampa series, I can't even tell you, I would change before the game and had to put the shoes back. I mean, we were like, the, we had it down, you know, there was a lot of fireball consumed, which is really not an ideal because <laughs> I'm supposed to work and watch and you have all these things, right? So so that sort of, for me, is like a background of, of coming into it from a genuine perspective. And then, you know, this year, you, you know, you mentioned Fun Dip, right? Um, you know, beginning of the season this year, uh, well, each, each year right around opening night, our HR team does a lot of stuff for the staff to keep us going. We're working hard. We're trying to get ready. Um, we have a super fun environment at work. And one of the things they do is, is deliver everyone's favorite candy. And every year they deliver me fun dip. And you can imagine the conversations around the office when you're looking at what everyone's consuming and what's your favorite. And of course, everyone looks at me, you're like, you are a grown woman. And I'm like, I know, but I love fun dip. Um, and so this year, because of, again, the reaction to folks, uh, I took to, to social during um, preseason to say, listen, I'm having a fun dip today. And if we win tonight, I'm going to adopt this as my pregame ritual. Um, it felt more like a confession at the time. <laughs> no, know where this was going, but, you know, uh, so shared that confession. But what was interesting is people thought that was a pretty cool idea, you know, and it generated a conversation and, so as Fundip was picked up by our fan base and adopted by many, it struck me in, in this sort of idea of the way I used to look at superstition, just, you know, as fun and interesting to really kind of get into it and, and appreciate the fact that every time someone's doing something, every time you're putting on your lucky socks or mm -hmm. having your Fundip, you're taking an action, a positive action in a positive spirit in that moment to do something to support your favorite team. And I believe there's a lot of power in that. And I had read during uh, COVID, I needed to pick me up at some point during uh, the pandemic. And so I had read The Energy Bus by John Gordon and really had been contemplating this idea of positivity and the importance of what we do. And so as Fun Dip and the conversation evolved and people connected and our fans started bringing it and sharing it and taking it on the road to Vegas and finding each other um, it was just really amazing. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, we all know it's not about winning or losing because you had your fun dip. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's that ability to be part of something. And, and that's what's so great about sports, right? It brings people together and you get to be part of something. And so um, it, it took on quite a journey and eventually the Ferrara Candy Company uh, wondered why the, the um, sales went up. Yeah, the Iconics candy brands had now uh, moved up on the charts. And so um, they came out, provided thousands of packets of fun dip to our fans. And it's, you know, it's just been something fun, but I think it's been a really important lesson of, of what opportunity we have to connect people uh, through our work and through the sport and appreciate why everyone should have their own pregame ritual. Yes. <laughs> and maybe not confess it on the internet because then you're going to end up having this whole thing. But at the same time, that's absolutely incredible that it's, you know, not only are you a fan, but you're in this chief marketing officer position too, where I'm sure when you tweeted that you really didn't think anything was going to happen or that it was going to have this impact on the fans. Um, but it's just incredible that just something that small. And I, and I really do believe that it only that this moment that you're describing happens in hockey. Like, I just feel like there's something unique about it and, and some kind of connection that we all have just from a single fan you, Catherine, you know, doing this and it just taking fire. Um, I think it speaks volumes to the work you do and how connected you are to your community of fans. Um, and then also just the game, but that wasn't really a question. That was just a comment. Yeah. Well, and, and at the time, honestly, it was embarrassing. I mean, I don't, (laughs) right. Because I'm like, you know, Catherine, the fan did this. Right. And then, but I wear this other hat that I have to be mindful of. And you're sort of like, and so all of a sudden this is happening and I'm thinking, okay, this wasn't part of the strategy. And, but, but they never are right. Those organic things aren't. So, you know, you, you ride this fine line and I, I went to our uh, VP of content and, um, and I was like, listen, I need you to help work with me on this because I, I need someone besides me. Really to put the business lens on here to, to figure out what's appropriate. And I really wondered at some point, you know, our president was going to come down and finally said to me, that he, he goes, so this fund thing. And I was like, Ooh, like, <laughs> yes, Oh no. <laughs> I was like waiting for it. And he's like, people are having fun. He's like, and if they would associate one word with the Columbus blue jacket and that word is fun. He's like, you got something there. So anyway, oh, yeah. like, okay, because I was like very clear. I never used any team resources up until this point, right? <laughs> to do this or talk about it. And you know, that's the amazing thing, right? And the, the groups that did and, and they made it something I didn't, right? People mm-hmm. people chose to make it something, and then you just kind of get out there and nurture it. And now you have a canon meetup of fun dip and you know, um, and the people are people are happy. And they yeah. are having fun. So uh, it ended up being a, a pretty cool part of the season. Isn't it funny how it, there's like a mutual respect within like every single like hockey community that like whatever your pregame ritual is or your superstition is like people respect it. They're just like, that's totally fine. Like if you want a beer at like nine in the morning because your team's playing, it's like, yeah, absolutely. Like that's yeah. your thing. <laughs> that's respect for commitment yeah. right there. Right. Yeah. Like that hundred percent. You're like, I, I got you. You. And by the way, you do whatever you need to. Yeah. Right. It's we so need funny. that W. <laughs> yeah. 
Tell yeah. us a little bit more about the fifth line. Um, that is what the fans have lovingly been called in Columbus. I don't know where or how that started, probably with a fan. Um, exactly. Right? Same way FunDip started. Yep. Took to social. Some some key folks who, by the way, have participated in the, the FunDip uh, squad, <laughs> as we call ourselves. Um, same thing, right? What a great... Yeah cool concept a reaction years ago to you got your fourth line on the ice and your fifth line is out here in the stands and it i mean it just took off like wildfire and i think it's um it's a really important part of being a blue jackets fan at this point and um i just think it's so cool and kind of amazing that you know it started here first no one thought of that Right. That it took this long too for like yeah. that to come up and make it a thing. But it, it, it speaks to the different fan bases, right. Of each team, which mm-hmm. has such a distinct personality, right? Like, yeah, I'm sure there's a fan in New York with the Rangers who calls himself or the fans, the fifth line. Right. But it just didn't catch on. And, and it just happened to take place um, in Columbus. But what are those fans like you know, what are some of the things that make our fan base and market unique, right? In the way that, um, and and I think some of it is understanding the journey of this team, right? Um, You know, it took a long time. Expansions looks a little different these days than it did back (laughs) in 2000. It's taken a long time to experience um, some winning and some consistent winning and, and sort of the changes have gone through that. So this fan base has been here through thick and thin. I was amazed. I told you that's what attracted me to the fan base in the first place is their passion and fun. And they got behind the team. And, you know, if I went to a Canadian market and some of the things that were happening in, in the early years, they probably would have booed them off. Right. Not this market, right. We're there. We're going to lift you up. And so you're sort of seeing that energy, but that passion and commitment, um, and to be on a tough journey to follow a team, you know, one of the things that uh, I've learned in this role and looking around at other sports teams is, you know, you uh, look at the Atlanta Braves, right? Even if your team hasn't won in a while, you can remember what it was like. Right. You can, you can picture that. You can feel that. We don't have that. Now, I can tell you that first win against you know, Pittsburgh, right. In the playoffs, I can absolutely tell you now how hard I cried when we swept Tampa, but those pieces and those moments. And so if you think about the, the commitment of this fan base and our team has had to work hard, right. A non-traditional market that's had to work very hard. That means we have to entertain our fans. We're used to that. You know, you have teams right now that are experiencing a drop in ticket sales and other things. And for the first time are having to go do things that we've always had to do. We've always had to do that, but that is part of who we are. And that's part of the fans showing up all the time. Um, and I, and I've said this and I've said this to players and in, in, in some of what we've referred to as the creed for, for our team, you know, it, yeah, the players have to show up after the win or the loss. And so do the fans. Mm-hmm. So do the fans. And I think that's what you see in our fan base and that pride and so there's something to be said. They feel like they have been on this journey and they're part of the reason when we do see success. So I think you have that piece. And then I think you have just the general um, connection to the Civil War theme that you see. I mean, our players give out a kepi, you know, after uh, the game. And that's just cool. And 
and always fun to see what the players have to say, the canon. Um, there's those pieces that you begin to own and own with a, a view of being that army, right? And, and being that force behind your team to get up and support. And so I think it's just a really cool way it's come together. But I, I give this fan base props for the passion, but you'll see the very same thing come back from our players. And that's mm. cool. They know, they appreciate it. They get it. They will tell you when you come and, you know, from another team and you play in the Columbus Blue Jackets, those guys will tell you, this is a hard building to play in. It's a hard building. And by the way, because of where we come from and who we are and what it means to be a Blue Jacket. I mean, we saw it the other night against our last home game against Tampa, right? They, we don't quit. We don't quit. And, and no matter who you are, where you are, where you think the Blue Jackets are, in playoff contention or not, do not underestimate the Columbus Blue Jackets. And people know that because that's who we are, but, but we're fighters, relentless because we've had to be, we will be, and that's the reason we will win. Don't mess with the Blue don't, Jackets. Don't you do that. that I, I will. Okay. Okay, Catherine. For like opening night. <laughs> yes. That clip right here, we're going to send it to your head of video uh, content and make them put this in. <laughs> but I love it. I love that pride. Yeah. It's, it, and I think that's the part of, you know, doing my job. You talk about that connection as a fan yeah. and a CMO. I mean it. I mean oh, it. Oh, yeah. And, um, so that, that part of it makes it fun. But it also is like the scariest thing in the world. And I think I said that when we talked previously, right? It's, um, you know, I am responsible for one of my very favorite things, right? This brand, it means a lot to me. Like it means that's very scary because I do not want to F that up. Like mm -hmm. I do not, right? <laughs> like, oh, so, yeah. but that's probably healthy because that's, you know, that's the guiding star too of, all right, decision-making and considerations and having a really great team, you know, that I work with every day so that we can hopefully make good decisions and get us where we want to go. And it's cool because, I mean, your dream job, right? Like you're doing what your passion is, but also to be that fan. And I mean, you just said you don't want to F up because like it's something that you are so passionate about. I mean, when you wake up every morning and you're going to your job, I feel like I'm just like, you have music playing, blasting out your windows, like you're going and you're just so excited. What? But there's also the flip side of it where like there are struggles and have you faced any challenges um, that you've been able to turn into like positive aspects from, from having your role and having to balance both fan, but being professional um, and still like move forward and know that you have an important job <clears throat> to do. Yeah. I think where that sort of struck me first, um, coming into working for the team, um, was, you know, the, the, <laughs> the end of every season, right. A playoff run or otherwise, um, you know, in, in dealing with fan disappointment, right. Mm. That's, that's tough. And what I always wanted to say, <laughs> to fans who will come out and, and a lot of time, you know, you're emotional, you know, there's a lot going on there and people are saying things. And all I'm thinking to myself is 
imagine what it's like for us because we're going to get up and go to work today. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You're having sort of that moment. And then I'm like, wow, like, but we got to go and, and, you know, it's our job to figure this out and keep going. And, and so that piece, I think was probably the biggest thing coming in and I had to learn, but then also be like, okay, all right. So if I am feeling this way, right, what, what do I want? And knowing that people still want to be part of something and still want to connect, what are the opportunities that we have? And I think the way that we've built out our new brand platform, um, it allows us to be fluid and flexible. So when we need to pull different levers, we can. When product on the ice may not be good or something else might be happening, we can focus on other things. We do amazing work in the community. Our players do amazing things in the community. Um, and so there's there's other levers that we can pull and be, be ready to do to help people have pride for the team. Um, you know, we've spent a lot of time this season. I mean, obviously we were not expected to do very well. Um, I think we exceeded those ex- expectations, but I think what's interesting is our fan sentiment right now. But I think one, it's trying to manage those expectations um, and celebrate what's appropriate. But then also, you know, our job then in that moment, when you talk about pulling levers is to build confidence, is to try to give them an inside look an understanding of the steps that we're trying to make to be better, to grow and to share. And so our behind the battle um, episodes of uh, behind the scenes content for us, you know, I think we're just really starting to get good at that, but what an opportunity that is um, for us to be able to tell that story and connect. And I think, I think fans are on that journey with us right now. Um, But it's a, it's a good reminder each time is, you know, all, all of those things are important. All of those things are important and you can't overlook any of them and you sure don't want to miss an opportunity with them. No. Tell us about uh, the players. You've mentioned them a couple of times and how you have, you talked to them and and shared that sort of sentiment that you did earlier on how you communicate with them and give them different perspectives to think about the game and the fans. Um, But do you have any uh, fun, interesting, silly, oh. empowering, whatever player stories that you feel you can share without, you know, yeah, I mean, first the of confidence all, with the players. I don't, <laughs> I don't have another frame of reference, right? I never worked in right. sport, and I never worked in another sport. Um, I am absolutely amazed um, at how amazing hockey players are to work with. And I, and I don't think that's just our team. I think that's in general. And I've caught myself saying before, I'm not sure I could work with other athletes after working with hockey players. And maybe it's the nature, you know, I've often wondered about that. Why is it different? But maybe it's the nature of the system they grew up and building and staying with families. And does that sort of play into it? But you have that piece of it. And then you have, you know, the expectations when you come up and be a blue jacket. I say that it's really, really important to us. This is who we are and this is what it means to be a blue jacket. And when players come in, that's a big part of it. And so, um, you know, Nick Felino, uh, and I think you spent time with Janelle. So yeah. um, Janelle, right. I mean, what a, what a great captain followed by another great captain in Boone. Um, but, you know, being able to work with Nick and Janelle, I'd say one of my favorite things in my time with the team, and especially because it was early on, uh, when he was named captain, they wanted to donate a million dollars 
half million dollars to Boston Children's Hospital and half million dollars to Nationwide Children's Hospital. And um, as a former development officer, that process to me, I'm passionate about. Um, and when someone's going to invest at that level. And so I went through that process with them. We set up a dinner with doctors to have, have them be able to listen and understand um, the opportunities they had and what areas and to really choose. Like I wanted them to know you don't just give it over. Like at that level, you, you can um, actively uh, make decisions. And so, you know, took them through that process and a gift agreement, you know, as a player to give that much and why, well, if you're going to give that, there should be an expectation, but I wanted so badly to make sure that Nick and Janelle had the experience because he was a leader in the locker room. And now all of those guys around him in the locker room had someone, you know, because modeling that behavior, I think is really, really important. So I think, you know, um, and had a chance to go to Boston for Nick's thousandth uh, game ceremony and got to see Nick and Janelle after and um, just really, really great people. So I think that's the that's an example of sort of the deep side of making connections with them and, and having an opportunity to do good. I would say, you know, an example on the lighter side is probably, uh, we, uh, we have a uh, golf classic every fall at double Eagle here. And we have an opportunity for the foursomes to draft a player. And so you can pay a little extra at lunch and we'll, we'll, you know, give you their, um, handicaps and those that really want to win this tournament will pick the very best. There's some really great um, golfers uh, on our team and sort of going through it. And then there's me. So I oh, no. <laughs> love to play golf, okay? but I am not very good. Um, I feel like I've, I've really grown up a lot because I can say that I will do something I'm not very good at, but that's because I like to play golf a certain way. And so here I am, it's important to participate and I'm at lunch and they're drafting and they're getting down there and it's trying to keep things going. So I end up getting the last pick. So I pay a little extra money so that, you know, I'm going to get first dibs with my foursome uh, to play. And so the only person, I hope he doesn't listen. He'll laugh. <laughs> Gavrikov. So Gabby is on the list. He's the only guy whose handicap says N.A., okay? So when it's N.A., you know it's not good, right? So we're going through, and, and if you don't draft a player, you just get assigned someone, right? So about half of them are drafted, so we're going through it all, and I'm in the room. Players aren't in the room at the time. And it gets to, to me and my foursome, and I pick Gabby. <laughs> like my boss looks at me like, what are you thinking? And I looked at him and I said, because he's going to play golf the way I like it. <laughs> now, if you follow us at all, um, he, Vlad is, he's just an amazing, humorous, funny guy. And the opportunity to play golf with him was just incredible. And so they got, we got up to the tee box and actually Scott Harrington ended up playing with us as well. And we got up there and I walked up to them and I was like, and I said, I go, now look. I handpicked you guys and they have this look on their face and I'm like, now let me tell you how I play golf. This is a shamble. Don't know what that means. Not really concerned about it. We will not keep score. We're going to play whatever ball we want. I do not play it. The center. I went through it and like Scott Harrington looked at me. He goes, Oh, thank God. <laughs> um, Gabrikov had not golfed a lot. 
And so uh, there would have been a great meme if I got his first tee shot. Now, like any good athlete, got better through it. But I happened to see him the other day for the team photo. And he's like, are we, get, are we getting the team back together again? He goes, you're going to make sure. He goes, you know people, right? He's like, that was the best. I'm telling you, probably the best and most fun I've ever had on a golf course. But if you follow along at all and see, he is just, he's a character. And those are the, those are the fun side things of, you know, what we get to do, right? You're raising money for charity, but you're just getting to be real people. And um, so those are, those are special instances. Um, that and my daughter trying to teach Dalton Prout how to bowl. I think she was six or seven and I have video oh of God. her giving him pointers. Very seriously giving him pointers. So God bless and, him. He kneeled down and heard every word. And she's like, now look, if you're gonna, <laughs> we were bowling with our pediatric cancer heroes that year. So she got it from her mama, apparently. <laughs> I feel sorry for her. She is just like me. Um, so, you know, every opportunity you get to do things like that and, and see their, their outside of hockey mm-hmm. self and uh, connect, but they're just, they're great human beings. Um, and I'm constantly impressed yeah. by how lucky we are to work in a sport uh, where people can be so connected to each other. What's your opinion? Because Breezy and I talk about this a lot here and with our guests of what you just talked about, the player's personality off the ice, their real life, real life personality. Um, and being able to share that with the fans in a way that still honors that team first mentality that hockey has. What does that look like to you? Because I think more and more today that fans want to know those things. Like we want to see a little bit more. We want to feel like we know them a little bit better um, because of things like social media and, and, you know, there's a little bit missing, or is it better to keep that mystery where we don't totally know everything about that person? Well, like, I think I that's don't know how do you job. manage that? That's yeah. part of our job, right? Um, and I think the the gatekeeper in that in general is is this on brand for our team? This is who we okay. are, and if, if we share this content, you know, I think that's a, that's a general piece. I think you know, for the most part, we have no choice because of the way content consumption. And again, uh, there's people that could care less about the, you know, hockey pick, hockey puck and hockey stick, but they care what line A is walking in wearing today. I mean, that's, that's very real stuff. And just, again, I think that's the evolution of, of where we're going. And one of the things I think that's um, been a little bit more challenging for hockey in general is because the emphasis of being team sport, team, team, team. You don't call out one guy. You don't do those things. And when you start to get someone who likes that and might want a presence, but not everyone does, that's a balancing act. And I think hockey still, we're still trying to find our way. Um, I think, you know, right now you've got some guys that love it. I mean, we've got guys that might say, Hey, you know, I'm coming in today. When you take pictures, can you send me some? And I'll put them out on my social channels. Absolutely. And then you have other guys that might be like, hey, can, you know, not today or. And so that sort of communication and trust, you know, trust with um, the hockey operations side of the business that when we're telling a story and communicating, it's in line with 
you know, the message they're trying to deliver. And that's where social media can be a little bit harder, right? Because you might be having a conversation with a player or managing something, but you know, you might be lighthearted on social. I mean, social media gives you, it's a, that's the one that's the hardest for me, right? I'm pretty like it's straight is it on brand or not but then you've got a little bit of play that happens based on trends and and certain things that are happening there and so i think it's a constant gut check um i think it's why it's so important for us to and the internal team to really understand that brand platform and and who we are and who we aren't so you have that moment to say um listen we are not the carolina hurricanes that is not the blue jackets right um, and so, but those are, those are important and everyone's gotten an identity, but you have to be able to articulate it and hold yourself accountable to it. So having that, I think helps navigate those conversations, but we're going to have to figure it out um, because hockey will also fall behind, I think, too, if we don't. So, you know, communication, trust, active dialogue to figure out and, and try to help. And, you know, my wish uh, for being better next year for us is, is getting ahead. My team's working on um, some documents right now to take to hockey apps, to try to proactively communicate, you know, here's where we're going. Here's how we think we can support building confidence um, so that they understand that what we're doing, what we're doing is intentional. And here's how, you know, we all collaborate on this and make sure it makes sense for all that we're doing, but it's definitely, it's definitely a challenge. And that's the killer about social media anyway, right? Cause I could just be on all the time. And then sometimes you see something you're like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> shouldn't we, you know, um, judgment we're paid. I am paid 100% for judgment. Mm-hmm. Okay. We don't always get it right. Yeah. But I mean, I, I think what you're saying is so important and you're right on just from a straight up fan perspective is like, we want more, but I also don't want it to be a free for all of like really letting the players share everything and anything. Cause we've seen how that can take a turn. Like when an ex-wife of a certain player feels like she needs to say what she needs to say, like those kinds of things. First of all, nobody wants that to begin with, right? Like you don't want to deal with that on social media, whether you're a professional athlete or not. Um, but we've seen how it can be come and something else and take away from the team and the game and the sport. So I know there's a fine, a fine line there. Um, but there's just so many great personalities in hockey too, that it's like, God, I wish we could just like get a little bit more. Like, that's why I think bruising and I love doing this too, is that we get to hear these, little nuggets like the, and, and we're not even scratching the surface with the stories that we've heard about different players because obviously they're not going to share everything but god it just it just makes me so excited but but that's where i stand breezy you go <laughs> oh i was just gonna say if you were to let's just say pass the phone to any blue jacket player who would you trust the most to show personality, but still show like what it's like to be a blue jacket and like have that respect level. But like who, what player do you think best represents that you would just be like, take the phone, showcase your entire day, tell your jokes. Instagram takeover. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
Boy, that's a tough one. Um, because I would trust many of them. Um, I, I think if I were to answer that question from the perspective of who do I think it would be fun for you? I mean, you know, yeah. you're not going to get a better representation of the Columbus Blue Jackets than Boone Jenner. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think to give you a, a more interesting answer, I think the opportunity for someone like Sean Crowley. Right. So you've got him. He's he's a product of our market. He's gone elsewhere. He's come back. So he has just a super interesting perspective. Um, when he uh, came back, actually, I met him the day of the golf tournament. He had just come to the team and we ended up walking in together. So, you know, introduced myself was immediately uh, amazed at his connection. I mean, he just he's a connector. He's got great energy, great enthusiasm. I think, you know, shortly thereafter, uh, I went to another golf outing. Like I said, not very good, but like to play. Um, and <laughs> your play uh, your way. <laughs> it was uh, for our AAA program. And he came up through that program and he was there and he was speaking. I'm like, this guy's been in town for five minutes. Um, and we've got an event this week where he will um, take some time to talk about uh, the growth of hockey in this market, what it's meant for him. And so I think he's just a, you know, to get a full sense of our market, our city, uh, our program, and now to be a blue jacket. Um, and he's super easy to talk to, uh, very uh, charming and likable. And I just think that's, that would be fun. That would be fun. Now we do have, I, I brought up, <laughs> Gavrikov earlier, we actually um, have a sponsored content. It's a helpline <laughs> where fans call in and ask their questions and he answers. And let me tell you, like, there's no prep. What you see is what you get. He'll be like, hey, some, you know, a little girl calls in and like, I haven't done my homework. What should I do? And now that's good quality. <laughs> <laughs> What's so, his answer? Oh, I, I couldn't tell you at this point, he's answered so many questions and, um, <laughs> we release them after we release them after the fact on social. So you'll have to check out we'll the, go Ohio back. Health, the Ohio health helpline with <laughs> love, love, Gabrikov. Um, I'm not sure I would have my daughter call in and ask her for advice, but it's, it's a oh, lot of fun. Great. Another way. I mean, talk about a win-win, right? You, yeah. um, it's, it's content. It, we've got a partner on it. It's fun. You get to see a player's humor. Uh, that's a great example where things mm -hmm. work together well for the for the good of the entertainment for all. So, right. Oh, that's brilliant. I love it. I love it. Breezy, do you have any more questions, or should we get her with the final three? Uh, let's go for the final three. Okay, we ask everybody these three questions: um, man, women, player, non, whatever. So who is your favorite hockey hunk? So I will, I would say for me, I feel like I'm, this makes me feel old. <laughs> no offense, Lemieux, but um, Lemieux for me was always, and, and I had the chance to meet him um, early on with the jackets. Uh, we went over to Pittsburgh, we traded, they would come to our uh, foundation event we would go to theirs to try to you know learn from each other and so at the event I was there with the foundation board chair at the time and we walked up and I went over and introduced myself like this was like a moment right I again right. I'm a fan these these moments and um you know as we as we 
I thought I did very professional. And then as we walked away, our board chair, we're, she's a good friend, but she's behind me and she's going, you're losing your shit right now, aren't you? You're losing your shit. And I was like, I thought I kept it together very well, but that was like, a, that, you know, for me, that was, you know, that was just a, that was a big deal of someone I grew up and just thought, you know, he was the best. That's awesome. I don't know what I would do if I had to like go up to my favorite and I, I don't think I could talk to him to be honest. So I, I got to give you a round of applause for that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's video. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Bracey. Get, get oh, that's funny. All right. So who is your favorite hockey lady? Dave Clarkson played on our team. Uh, not very much was injured most of the time. However, we did some charitable work um, and I got to know his wife, Brittany, um, she just was this, the most down to earth, uh, like one of those people I was like, I want to be her, you know, like (laughs) I want to be her. Um, you would never know, you know, the, what she was juggling and, you know, they have, and now they have a lot more kids. I've kept up with them. Apparently after hockey, they had more God bless them. Um, but (laughs) she, she made an impression on me she made an impression on me is like, you know, there's just sometimes you, you meet people, you're like, I want to be friends with them or they, you know, you look at them and their situation. And she was just so, so lovely and down to earth. I can't say anything. You would have never known, um, you know, that she was a player's wife. And uh, so I always, always liked them. And um, Clarkson uh, did, has done so much work in the community. And I think, you know, can be overshadowed by some of the playing issues with his injuries. Um, and you, you didn't ask for this story, but this is a bonus. Um, talk about another good moment. My first year doing the Cannonball, which is the big fundraiser for the Blue Jackets Foundation, we did a match for that night. It was a $50,000 match. So on top of everything else, we're trying to raise a half million dollars and we want to, we want to match $50,000 at the event. And so Again, my background was fundraising. I know, go in, be prepared. And so you're trying to prep to make sure you're going to be successful. Like we have to be successful. And so we were doing all this work and I was driving home the night before the event. Uh, My parents had come down from Canada to go to the event and uh, David Clarkson called me and I was like, hey, you're on speaker with mom and dad. Uh, (laughs) And he's, and he's so down to earth too. Very, very down to earth. And so he said, um, listen, I know we have the event tomorrow and I know that you're trying to make sure that, you know, this money is raised. He said, uh, you've been working so hard, you and your team. And I want you to know, no matter what the number is at the end of the night, I'll make sure I'll cover the difference. I want you to sleep well tonight and know that you've done it. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, that's real right now. Mm -hmm. I was so happy we made it without him. (laughs) um but you know that's a very real gesture that you know most people would never know and um so hockey players are good people we agree we agree (laughs) and the last question is do you have a Sidney Crosby story (laughs) I do Yes. Some uh, people do, some people don't. And so yeah. it's always a crapshoot. Well, and it's, it's a little, uh, it's a little weird for me. <laughs> it's like battle on my shoulders. Right. Because, <laughs> you know, I listen, team Canada, I bleed red and white. I make no apologies for that. And so, you know, he's an important part oh, of, yeah. 
of that. However, Pittsburgh, <laughs> on the other hand, as it relates to our team is a, is a different story. But um, so uh, when I was working for the foundation and I would do meet and greets after the game, um, you know, again, single mom, right, working. And uh, so my daughter always came to the weekend games with me and everyone got to know her. So wherever I went, so if I did a TV interview, they'd sit her up. I mean, amazing radio booth, very cool. I would, you know, bring her along and she was probably seven or eight at the time. So I'm downstairs in the player hallway waiting on one of our players to do a meet and greet. And my daughter's standing at the door and she's seeing, you know, there's Nick and there's Cam Atkinson and, you know, and the next thing you know, Sydney Crosby walked by and she looked at me and she goes, who's that? And I just saw the smirk on Crosby's face. Like it was so priceless. It was so priceless. Right. She's like, who's that? I'm like, Honey, it's just Sydney Crosby. Uh-huh. like, oh. it's just, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I, I want to die a little inside or be like, oh, I love you, kid. I love you, kid. Right? So good. That's such a good story. <laughs> I hope he hears this and can like one day. We need to just um, like compile all of our stories. Breezy, I need to like take an edit and yeah. take every single hundred episode guest Sydney stories and just string them all together and send it to him. <laughs> Maybe he'll come on if we do that. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, right. Oh, that's great. That is a great story. Um, tell everybody where they can follow you on social media. Um, I know you're very active on Twitter, so feel free to shout that out. Yeah, Kate Dobbs 99. Um, spend probably more more time on on Twitter than anything else. Um, been very active this year, as has my mother and my stepfather, <laughs> except they don't have social channels, so they send me their videos for me it. to post. So it's I so I say that it's you know my social channel, but really it's I think it's my mother's, and I'm just her PR person. Um, so, but that's really the best place to follow me. My other social channels, I'm a little quieter and a little bit more private on, but that's the community that. Um, is the place we come together probably the most. Okay, wait, I just had one more question I thought of. Okay. Give us your 30 second, what do the Blue Jackets need to do in the off season to improve for next season? Fan hat, fan hat. Fan <laughs> hat. Uh, well, I think we've got- If you can, this is probably yeah, a hard I mean, question I, for I you. Think, I'm sorry. Well, no, 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 not, not at all. I mean- you know, we're coming off great momentum. So that's outstanding. I think we've got some RFAs that we need to figure out. I think the, you know, the, the line A situation certainly looks positive. That's a big one. Uh, I think we're still trying to find our way on, um, you know, top line center. How does that shake out? Uh, we'll see how the draft goes for us. Yarmo Kekalainen is amazing at his job. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we're seeing with, you know, Kent Johnson and Nick Blankenberg having a chance to play with us. So I think, I think for us, it's all about continuing to fill in those pieces, right? Where do we need to, you know, pick up the back end? Where do we, you know, need to go from a, a center perspective? Um, so I, I think it's an exciting time. I'm so happy that the fans can appreciate it's hard when you're rebuilding right? You, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a tough narrative and a tough place to be. 
but I think there's a lot of optimism and enthusiasm about, you know, these, these different opportunities that we have coming up. But a couple of those are, you know, those are some big decisions and big things that still need to fall into place and, and see where we get and who's going to make the team next year. So we've got lots of great talent coming up, but how does that shake out? Um, as we get ready. So I'm counting down to opening night. I mean, I started planning meetings last week. I said, I said, wow, this is great guys. Like the season hasn't ended, but count down to opening night. So, She's got a new bottle of uh, fireball in the freezer waiting for opening night. <laughs> I mean, Along with the fun dip. Fireball. <laughs> well, and so that's my mother. My mother is fireball and fun dip. And it's hilarious. So her end of season video, they don't even ask. They just send me stuff. They're like, can you post this like for their people? Um, and so my mother has her fun dip. They're doing a fireside chat. And then I love my mother. Fireside chat with her fun dip. And then at the end, my mother shoots fireball. It's so funny. Your mom's awesome. My mom <laughs> awesome. She's awesome. My mom is awesome. So yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking some time to chat with us and uh, really give us your honest insights and and a look into what it means to, to work with a team and build them up in the market you're in. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Really appreciate it. I'm glad we finally got to do this. Thanks for coming over to our House of Hockey podcast and hanging out with us. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. And in the meantime, you can follow us on social media. Just look for House of Hockey podcast. We'll be back next week.